Hello, everybody. This is the Brokenness to Faith podcast. You're here with Mark Bratrude, about to give you the next episode. We are on episode 19. I can't believe we've already gone through 18 episodes. Thank you all for listening. We're going to be on episode 19 tonight or morning or afternoon, whenever you're listening. Um, by the way, you can check us out on multiple sites on your Apple podcast, um, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify. You can use our base uh, podcast website, Buzzsprout, anywhere um, you get your uh, podcast from. Just look us up, Brokenness to Faith. I assume because you're hearing me talk right now, you probably already have your way. You probably already have your site in which you use your app. But if you don't, if you know someone who wants to listen, you can refer them to that. Also, if you have questions, you want something answered, or you have disagreements, or anything, good or bad, it, it doesn't matter to us, send us an email at brokenness um, to faith at gmail.com. And you can also hit us up on our Instagram, brokenness underscore two underscore faith. So we're going to do a two-part series, and this is episode 19. Part two will be episode 20. It's going to be church legalism. And I'm doing part one. Noah's doing part two. And forgive me for my voice. I've been a little sick lately. But I feel as though this podcast is important. This is a topic of today that we need to hear. So we're going to get right into it. And again, please forgive me for my voice and my water breaks. Let's get into it. Church legalism. Part one. I want to start by... Reading some quotes and then reading some scripture because without scripture we have nothing, not a zip. Don't give me some argument that pertains to the Bible or Jesus or something like that if you can't give me scripture to back it up. But we're going to get some quotes and we're going to get some scripture. Before unbelievers even stumble at the gospel, they stumble at Christianity. They aren't able to get into the doors because of the ridiculous, non-important demands of many false teachers, fanatical Christians. Sometimes the legalist think he is pleasing God, but he doesn't know that he's actually blocking people from God. Steep. I like the first line, too. Before unbelievers even stumble on the gospel, they stumble at Christianity. People, are, people don't first hear about the gospel or God because they walk into your church. They see it on the news. They see it on TV. They see it by their co-workers who profess Christianity, but go party on the weekends, cuss up a storm, sleep around, get high, get drunk. It's true. Before unbelievers even stumble at the gospel, they stumble at Christianity. I like this next quote. When there's something in the Bible that churches don't like, they call it legalism. By Leonard Ravenhill. When there's something in the Bible that churches don't like, they call it legalism true let's get into some scripture we're going to talk about two pieces of scripture and then we're going to get into a third piece that's going to be our main um, basis for today's episode <clears throat> Colossians 2 8 NIV version see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Mm. Get that a lot today. Um, Romans 14, 1 to 3. Even the subheading for this called the weak and the strong. Except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything. But another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them both. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty clear there. Let's get into a, a, a big, a big piece of scripture right here. Give me a lot of reading, but um, it's good stuff. Luke eleven thirty seven to fifty four. Um, if you got your Bibles, I'll even give you a chance to open it if you want to get there. Luke eleven thirty seven to fifty four. Or you can just listen in. All right, here we go. Luke 11, 37 54. After Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee asked Jesus to eat with him. 
So Jesus went in and sat at the table. That's a, that's a key line there. We'll get back to it. So Jesus went in and sat at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he saw that Jesus did not wash his hands before the meal. Also important there. We'll get to that after we're done reading all this. The Lord said to him, You Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of greed and evil. You foolish people. The same one who made what is outside also made what is inside. So what it, so, so give what is in your dishes to the poor, and then you will be fully clean. How terrible for you Pharisees. You give God one-tenth of even your mint, your rue, and, and every other plant in your garden. But you fail to be fair to others and to love God. These are the things you should do while continuing to do those other things. How terrible for you Pharisees, because you love to have the most important seats in the synagogues. We'll get to that later, too. And you love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces. How terrible for you, because you are like hidden graves which people walk on without knowing. One of the experts on the law said to Jesus, Teacher, when you say these things, you are insulting us, too. Jesus answered, How terrible for you, you experts on the law. You make strict rules that are very hard for you to obey, but you yourselves don't even try to follow those rules. How terrible for you, because you build tombs for the prophets whom your ancestors killed. And now you show that you approve of what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets and you build tombs for them. This is why in his wisdom, this is why in his wisdom, God said, I will send prophets and apostles to them. They will kill some and they will treat others. uh, They will treat others cruelly. So you who live now will be punished for the deaths of all the prophets who were killed since the beginning of the world, from the killing of Abel to the killing of Zechariah, who died between the altar and the temple. Yes, I tell you that you who are alive now will be punished for them all. How terrible for you experts of the law. You have taken away the key to learning about God. You yourselves would not learn, and you stopped others from learning too. We'll get to that later also. When Jesus said to teach of the law, when Jesus left, the teachers of the law and Pharisees began to give him trouble. Ask him questions many thi- about many things, trying to catch him saying something wrong. It's a lot to take in, I know. Let's break it apart a little bit. Then we're going to get into plenty of areas where the church today can be very legalistic. Again, this is part one. If you're thinking at the end of the world, there's so much more. I have all these other ones. There's going to be a part two. And if after that part two, you still have more, please shoot us an email. Instagram, like I said. If you know us or you go to our church, I know we've probably got believers that from all over the place, but if you happen to go to our church, you could talk to us personally, email, Instagram, whatever. We're just going over the ones we thought of. Um, but let's dissect this scripture a bit first. First off, Jesus himself wasn't legalistic. And you're saying, what? No, nah, no, nah, he, he might have not used the word legalistic, but he was about rules and things like that. No, look. What was the f- one of the first things I said we're going to talk about later? It says, so he went in and sat down to eat. It's important. Say, How is that important? Let me tell you. Though Jesus experienced increasing conflict and opposition from the religious leaders, he did not hate them return- in return. Jesus accepted his invitation to eat with a certain Pharisee. The world today, the Christian that might be legalistic, wouldn't do that. They wouldn't eat with a Pharisee. They wouldn't do things like that. Jesus did because Jesus himself wasn't legalistic. But look, the world is legalistic because in that scripture it says um, he marveled, talking about the Pharisee. You can even put the Pharisee marveled. The Pharisee marveled that Jesus had not first washed his hands before dinner. What does that even matter? Who cares? You didn't wash your hands before dinner. Sure, all of us go to McDonald's or Red Robin or Applebee's or wherever we eat, and we don't necessarily go wash our hands before dinner. Maybe we should, but it's not the end of the world. But look at this. If you look into it, a really strict Jew would do this not only before the meal, but also between each course through the meal. The rabbis were deadly serious about this, saying that bread eaten with unwashed hands was no better than excrement. A rabbi who once failed to do this was considered excommunicated. Another rabbi was imprisoned by the Romans and used his ration of water for ceremonial cleansing instead of drinking, nearly dying of thirst, but being regarded as a great hero. I mean, you even get a story of a rabbi being imprisoned by the Romans, and he uses his ration of water for ceremonial cleansing instead of drinking, nearly dying of thirst. 
That's nuts. But this is how they were back in the day. Now let's look at things today. In my opinion that I see that the church makes too legalistic. First topic, be a quick one, clothes. Do I think you should come to church in a bikini? No, please don't. Do I think you should come to shirt, uh, church in like some beach attire? Probably not. But there are churches out there that are so legalistic, they'll, they'll say you have to come in suit and tie. Ladies have to wear dresses down to their ankles. I know of churches that record their services. And the first few rows, you have to be dressed in really nice clothes. Because, oh, you can still, we want you to attend our church. If you're just wearing jeans and a regular shirt, we'll probably have you sit more in the middle or back where you're not on the cameras. A little legalistic because no one in the Bible, I mean, the Bible talks about modesty, which is what I'm going to get at. But it doesn't talk about suits and ties and looking real nice. You know, how can the homeless come to our church? How can the homeless come to your church trying to find God, maybe help from their addiction, or maybe they're not addicted to anything, but they're just down on their luck, and they want to sit in your church, but they're not wearing a suit or tie. They're not wearing a dress down to their ankles. You going to reject them? I live in the Palm Springs area. There's a few churches out here that are like country club attire, as they would call it. Or there's churches that are business casual. If I walked in in jeans and a T-shirt, they might look at me funny. Or they might be nice because they're doing their job. But if I started to get connected to that church, they would, someone would approach me and someone would say, hey, we'd prefer you wear something nicer. I had a roommate when I lived in Washington who worked at a church like that. He'd wear jeans and a collared shirt. And at one point, the leadership told him, because he was part-time staff, hey, you know, we'd prefer you, you know, if you could dress just a little nicer. I mean, that's, that's a bit legalistic right there. Am I saying wear what you want? No. You shouldn't walk in in a bikini, you know. You shouldn't, shouldn't wear revealing things. I'm not just talking about women, because we always talk about Oh, women need to be careful what they wear and make men stumble. You see these magazines with women in bikinis, and we say we, need, we can't have that stuff. That's going to make men stumble. But yet a guy working out with his T-shirt off can't make women stumble. Or maybe people who, men who struggle with homosexuality. You know, like we just assume it's a female thing. No, men, you need to be careful what you wear too because you can make other people stumble as well. But to be legalistic in the sense you have to wear a suit and a tie, long dresses, you, you know, you have to look a certain way, that's, that's a bit much. That's a little too legalistic for me. Let's look at some other ones. Um, Works-based faith, you know, and we're going to look at stuff that's like a public image. Well, let's talk about weekly service to the Lord. Maybe you go to church because you want to please your wife or your husband or your mom or your dad, your grandma, your grandpa, your family. You're only going because it's a chore. You're only going to say you went. You're only going to say, look at me. I went to the church. There are church leaders out there who are so critical on church attendance. And it's like they're keeping a tally if you miss a week, you're in big trouble. I'm not saying you don't need the church. Yes, you need the church. I go every week, or at least I try to. But to say a part of our faith is we have to go every week, that's a part of our, our process in gaining a better spot in heaven or gaining a better spot with salvation. No, that's, that's totally wrong. You don't go to church just to say you went or because you went for somebody else or because, oh, I go because we have to go. It's about the Sabbath. We have to go. It's just an outward thing. How many middle class people go to church because it's what they do? Yet they have no clue about the Bible or God. They're thinking about where they're going to go out to eat after lunch with their family. Why is it that churches have an explosion of attendance numbers when it comes to Easter and Christmas? Why? It's because it's a ritual. 
It's their sir. It's it's them attending this service. They don't care anything about God, but they'll talk all about, hey, we got to go to church tonight for that Christmas Eve service. Oh, you mean the church we go to twice a year, every year? Yeah, that one, we got to go. I mean, even the non-Christian can get legalistic. And the people in the church who say it's all about church attendance, yeah, church attendance is great. Who knows what God can do when you set foot in his, in his house, in his sanctuary, but sometimes we get too legalistic about it. How about tithing? You tithe because it makes you feel good or it helps you get money back during tax season. Let's just call it for what it is. You tithe not because you necessarily want to, but you tithe because it's like, it'll help me with my taxes. I'm here anyways. If you don't have a heart to tithe, if you don't have a heart that says, I'm here to give to the church because it's what God wants me to do, and it's because I'm finding a joy in doing it and helping the church and helping you know, spread his kingdom work. Well, you're just doing it to do it. Or you're getting on other people. Hey, did you tithe this week? Hey, are, are you are you tithing? You better be given that 10%. Look, I believe in tithing. I do my best to tithe every week. We should give 10% as the Bible uh, prescribes. It's for our benefit. But when you make it a legalistic thing, I have to tithe. I have to tithe. Did you tithe? That's 10%. You better give your 10%. Down to the penny. It's like if my tithe were to, for the week were to be, I don't know, just some random number. Let's say it was, you know, $138. I would probably, in, in 56 cents, $138.56. I'd probably just be like, okay, 140 Put it in the basket. But legalism would say 138.56, whatever the exact amount is, you have to put that much. It's a little bit legalistic. Again, going to church every week, tithing, those are good things. And with the right heart, they can be a blessing. But with a legalistic heart, it's going to get you nowhere. What about doing good things before man? Like serving on stage, worship. Speaking, running events, but you're never actually listening. Doing good things before man. How many people do we see on this stage? Maybe you've seen them on TV. They love to lead in worship in their nice, colorful suits. Or they love to lead in worship at <coughs> the young, hip church. And they're wearing the coolest, hippest, you know, millennial or generation whatever they're called now, and they're, they're in the hippest clothing, and, and they have the lights, camera, action, worship, and they're dancing on stage, and it's about them. Well, you got the old timers in the suits and the gospel music, and they're proclaiming, if you give more to the church, God will bless you beyond belief. And it's just a show for them. There are people who speak. And they get an adrenaline rush, per se. They get this feeling when people are clapping and giving them amens. They want to do good things before man. And they tell you, you have to, if you're in church, you have to serve. You have to do certain things. That's legalism. You have to be baptized. You have to be a member of our church. You have to do these things or we want no part of you. And once you get those two things done, then you can serve. Oh, you want to serve the church, but you're not a member here? You've been coming for so many months, but you're not a member here and you haven't been baptized? You can't serve here. I mean, I don't know what else to say. There are people who want to do good things before man, but it's all a show. And then there are people who won't even let you serve because you're not a member or you're not baptized. or you're, There are some religions that, honestly, you can disagree with me. I would call cults that Christian churches that say you have to be baptized to our church. You can't serve. You don't. It's a bit legalistic. If you ask me, or those churches, and if this is your church, I'm sorry, you go on their website and... All over their website is there is is the pastors, the husband and the wife. And they do after service, they have a 
meet the pastors event once a month or every week where if you sign up, you can meet the pastors and shake their hands for 10 minutes and ask them questions about the church for 10 minutes. And then once that's over with, you can mingle with other new people you've never met who also are new to the church as the pastors slip on out. And I get it. It's a little more tricky with bigger churches. A small church, the pastor can walk down the stage and greet everybody. A church of a 1,000, not so much. But there's a way to go about it. But sometimes I see these churches, and the, and the face of the church isn't God. The face of the church is the pastors. And that's where we're getting into legalism a little bit, where they have to be the show. They have to be the face. And if you don't abide by their rules, then they might let you attend, but you're never going to serve. You're never going to get to be on the worship team. You're never going to get to be a greeter or an usher. You're not going to be nada, nothing, zip. Look at the act of fasting. Their churches every year around the same time will do an all-church fast. Not, I'm not against fasting. I think it's good when done the right way. I believe there's one called like the Daniel fast. And then churches will make up their own type of fasting or for a week or for whatever. And it's all for what? Yeah, if, the, if your heart's in the right place, that's great. But fasting isn't something you tell the whole world, oh, you know, I can't eat that t- today. I'm fasting. I get it. You can't lie. If people ask you how come you're not eating, yeah, with my church we're fasting. But, but people make it like such a big deal. The Bible talked about that with the Pharisees. I don't remember the exact scripture, but they would disconfigure their faces. They would change how they looked so everybody would know they were fasting. That's legalism. You fast with a good heart, great. That can definitely benefit you spiritually. Your church is going to do a day of fasting. If your heart's in the right place, great, do it. There are people who want the whole world to know they're fasting or churches who want to do an all-church fast and just for show. I'm not digging deep into each one because we have a few of them and I try to keep the podcast short even though I still go like 50 minutes on some of them. (coughs) Look at another one. Observing the Sabbath. You know, Seventh-day Adventists say it's Saturday and you must follow it. People who try to go to church on Sunday, that's a hair you see. That's legalism right there. I could care less if you go Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday morning, Monday night, Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, Thursday night, Friday morning, Friday afternoon. No, Friday night. (laughs) It really doesn't matter when you go. As long as you go with a heart that is open to what God has for you. And if you say, well, what about my non-believing friend? Sure, great, bring them. Maybe they're not there for the right reasons, but sure, they're an unbeliever. But God can move. But when you say it has to be Saturday morning, the church I'm a part of, we have Saturday night and one Sunday morning, and then where we live, we have what we call snowbird or snowbird season, where we have a lot of um, people who come in the wintertime and stay for four or five months, six months. And when they do, we'll do one Saturday and two Sunday instead of one. You know what? What if, what if there's someone who works Saturday mornings? What do those Seventh-day Adventists tell those people? Well, you better get your schedule changed or you better change, you better change jobs. But this job provides for my wife and my kids. Can't you just do a Sunday morning or a Saturday night? Or Nope. It has to be Saturday morning. It's legalism. I, would, I, I wouldn't bat an eye. I wouldn't even look twice. If you said your church's main service is on a Tuesday night. Great. Maybe your church's main service is on a Saturday morning. Great. I don't care what day it is. I don't care what time it is. I mean, if you're thinking strategy-wise, yeah, there's time. You shouldn't have a church service at 2 a.m., you know, obviously. But in the morning or night, realistically, are good times. The afternoon, people might be working. But you say it doesn't matter. If you say you have to go to church on a certain day, that's legalism. Some of the Adventists do it. Um, I know other religions that it's a certain day 
and it's like you know, some of them are just Sundays, and they will not do other times. <coughs> That's why I love my church. You can't come Sunday morning. We have Saturday night. You're a woman, and you can't come to certain service. We have a Tuesday morning uh, women's Bible study. We have a Wednesday night Bible study. We have a Wednesday night all-church prayer service for anyone who wants to come. We have a Thursday morning men's Bible study, Saturday morning men's Bible study. Now, your church might be different. I'm not knocking your church. My church isn't even that big, even though it sounds like it with all these services. But if you say your church, you have to go this service on Sunday morning. Oh, and if you're truly going to be a member of our church, you have to take a membership class during Sunday school an hour before the service. And then you have to be continually going to a Sunday school class. We'll give you a few options, but you have to go to one of them before our service. That's legalism. If these religious leaders were as concerned about cleansing their hearts as they were about their hands, they would be more godly people. We often want to look at it, we often want to look to a ceremony or a ritual to cleanse us instead of the sacrificial work of God on our behalf. Wow, that's deep. I want to read that at least the second part again. We often want to look to a ceremony or a ritual to cleanse us instead of the sacrificial work of God on our behalf. We think of things like communion. We think of things like, uh, you know, anointing with the laying on of hands. We think of tithing. Going to church every week. Going to church on that certain day that it has to be done. Wearing certain clothing. We often look to a ceremony or a ritual to cleanse us to the sacrificial work of God. It's not wearing nice clothes, going to church every week, tithing, fasting, observing the Sabbath, doing these things all before man. It's not, it's not, it doesn't do anything. It's the sacrificial work of God on our behalf. All the other stuff is just for show. All the other stuff is just extra work into getting you into hell. Oh, is, is that a bit much? Did I, is that making people feel uncomfortable? Because everything, everything we're talking about in the wrong heart is going to send you to hell. What do you mean, attending church? So what if I go to church with a bad heart? So what if I tithe and it's, I don't care about necessarily the kingdom work of it. I'm just for the tax reasons or it makes me feel good. So what if I get on stage and help with the worship, but I, I like being up there and and dancing up and down and things like that. So what if I fast when the church fasts and I do it just because the church does it? If you do not have a heart that is after God and is after the things of God and is after the things that God wants you to do, then everything you do in your mindset that is for God is really for yourself. You are living a life of self. And when you are living a life of self instead of self-denial, you're going to be sent to hell because it was about you instead of God. It was about you. And at the end of the day, you're not going to go to heaven whole. You're going to go to hell shot. It's reality. Reality, folks. Let's get into a few more. There are people who get legalistic and they say, we need to abstain from movies and dancing. Can't go to movie theaters. If any movie's rated PG-13 or rated R, you can't see it. Now, granted, a lot of rated R movies are bad, really bad. So are PG-13 movies. But a Christian movie came out unplanned about a year ago or less than a year ago about a lady named Abby Johnson, a true story, how she started working at Planned Parenthood, worked her way up the ladder, saw the things that Planned Parenthood did, Planned Parenthood did, did stood against it, felt convicted, got saved, changed her life around and fought against Planned Parenthood, but it was rated R. There are a few examples where that's okay. The Pastor of the Christ, rated R. That's okay. But when you get too legalistic, you can't go to the movies. Even certain people are like, oh, that's a Disney movie? Do you know about some of the people at Disney? Do you know about what some of those people have done? Some of the leaders of Disney are pedophiles. Some of the leaders of Disney hate this, this, and that. Look, I get it. And if you personally don't want to go to Disney movies, if you personally don't want to see a movie if it's rated PG-13 or rated R, I get it. But to say things like you can't do that, to say things like you can't go dancing, you can't go to concerts, look, I only listen to Christian music, but if you listen to some secular music, 
or you go to a concert with friends, you're not necessarily going to hell for that. Do I think you should be careful with that stuff? Yeah, I think you should. <coughs> but to say you're going to hell, but to say you're in the wrong if you do those things, let's be careful there. Do I think you should post pictures at some secular concert drinking a beer? No. But is it wrong if you do some of these things? You have a beer before dinner. You, you listen to some secular music. You go to a Disney movie. Or watch, you know, I, I'm a big Marvel fan or Batman fan. I like watching those movies. Is it wrong for me to do that even though there's fighting, there's violence? I, I personally don't think so. But the moment you say you can't, that's wrong, you're going to hell, that's legalism. Again, don't misunderstand me. I only listen to Christian music, and I think for the most part you should, in your playlist, have a lot of good Christian music. And if you don't think there's good Christian music out there, there is. And you send me an email, brokenness2faith at gmail.com, and you tell me some genres, I'll, get, I'll send you some good Christian artists. Yes, there are good Christian movies out there. Some complain that they're bad. It's a whole other story. It's another argument for another day. But you can still go to the movies, but you shouldn't watch stuff with sex scenes and different things that, that are really bad. But if there's action or certain things, you need to check your heart. Certain things are obvious. But then there are other things you just need to check your heart about, pray to God about. There are certain Christians, like when I said dancing, you can't go to prom. You can't go to winter ball. Shoot, I went to winter ball when I was a sophomore <coughs> with a girl um, in our, who used to go to our church many years ago and two of her friends. People in a legalistic church, like you went to um, winter ball and you went with, you know, three people. We didn't do anything. We talked. We hung out. It really... You want to be legalistic about it, fine. I know Christian schools have dances. You're going to tell them that's wrong, that's legal, you know, you're going to go to hell, or how could you do that? It's a bit much. I mentioned it a little bit earlier a few times. <coughs> but what about those drinking and smoking? Do you smoke a cigarette, you're going to hell? Do you have a beer with your meal, you're going to hell? Talked about that, I think, in a former podcast. Is it a sin? If not, is it okay to do Sure, you can drink. Sure, you can smoke. Do I think it's beneficial? No. But uh, someone who's in Christian legalism, church legalism would say, oh, you're smoking a cigarette? Nope, we don't want you here. You need to quit that habit. Look, do I want everyone in my church and people I know to quit that habit? Sure. I think it would be healthier for them. But they're not going to hell if they do that. I mean, they're going to hell if they make it something above God. If they have to have a cigarette, then they do the church and God and faith and things like that. Sure. Beer, same thing. If you put that over God, yeah. But you can put anything over God. <clears throat> you can put yourself leading worship over God. This image you made of yourself, this idol, idols of the heart. There's a plug, former episode. Check it out. But I don't, I think we get legalistic when we say you can't smoke a cigarette or if you drink this beer, you're going to hell. I don't smoke. I don't drink. When I say smoke, I say cigarette. I'm not talking about illegal drugs. Because obviously, if it's illegal, it's wrong. And uh, for so many other things, it's another argument for another day. But people get legalistic. Oh, you're drinking some wine with your meal? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if the early church would drink a beer with their meal. I don't know if they would do that. Yeah, but you could say, oh, but there's scripture in the Bible. They drank wine, isn't it? Yeah, but no, not, not in today's age. We don't do that stuff. We're not Catholic. We're not a liberal-leaning church of some kind. We're not this or that. So we can't do that. Conservative Christianity kind of equates to legalism sometimes. I'm conservative. Some of my friends call me, you know, alternate, alt-right, or whatever it's called, like super crazy conservative. But when it comes to the church, I've kind of become, on church subjects, a little moderate. The more I get older, can someone drink and smoke? Sure. Is it beneficial? No. <clears throat> but let's not get legalistic about it. Do I, Again, do I think you should post pictures and put them on social media about you smoking and drinking with your friends? No. I don't think that's beneficial to other people's faith. But if you have a beer with your meal, you have an alcoholic drink at the movie theaters. I think you can do that. I don't, I don't know. Um, you smoke. 
you have a stressful day at work and you have to, you know, you pray or whatever you do, but you have to have a smoke. Okay. I'm not saying that's wrong. You're going to hell. Legalism would say it is, though. Let's look at another one. Holidays. There are people who get so legalistic, you cannot follow Halloween. You cannot do the thing where you go house to house and get candy with your kids dressed up in a costume. That is evil. It was formed from a pagan, uh, pagan rituals and blah, 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 blah. So I guess every single church in America does like a harvest festival where they try to reach the community for Christ. That, that Nope, can't do it. Those leaders, they're all in the wrong. They need to read their Bible. Come on. I once saw a, a church flyer. I'm like, oh, a church is doing some event or something. I want to see what it is. It was at some restaurant or something. And at the counter, I pick it up. It says Harvest Festival. You know, there will be lots of candy and fun games for the kids. Then in parentheses, no costumes allowed. Yeah, that's going to reach people. <coughs> so my secular neighbor down the street has a kid, and I'm going to invite him to my to our church's harvest party. Hey, but when you come, you guys can't dress up. Yeah, that'll win them over. Go get them. That's a bunch of baloney. There are certain religions, mostly non-Christian ones, that don't celebrate other holidays or birthdays. It's a bit legalistic. Now, am I saying like New Year's, you should go out and get drunk and blah, 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 and you, oh, I have to find a date for New Year's and, okay, okay, come on. Let's not be extreme here. There has to be some middle ground. Just because I don't believe in legalism and the church doesn't mean you can run wild either. I, we've had young adult New Year's Eve parties. We've had young adult Christmas parties. We've done youth um, harvest parties, as we would call them, and people would dress up. But, yeah, you still have to dress up appropriately, you know, like, I would come as myself, you know, a model, because that's what I am. I'm a model. No, I'm just kidding. But there, you have to still come modestly, but let's not be legalistic and be like, oh, you guys can't, we can't do this because we're dressing up and it's a pagan holiday and blah, 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 blah. Get over yourself. That was years ago. Before you point the finger at us for, trying, for churches trying to reach people with the gospel, Point the finger at yourself for not thinking of other creative ways to help reach people for the kingdom. We're almost done here. I think of government leadership in public. They proclaim Jesus. or they. It, but really in private, it was just something they checkmarked off their application and forms to run for Congress or run for, you know, governor or run for president. They have to check off a religion. And then they'll pander to the religious section in their area to get their vote. Yet, on the inside, they're sleeping around. How many stories uh, in, in, the, in the political world are we hearing today about such horrendous, horrific things? Some of which the media doesn't want to talk about, by the way, the leftist media. With pedophiles and things like that. Yeah, on the outside, they might, if you ask them, oh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm a Christian, or I go to this Episcopal church, or I go to this Methodist church. But on the outside, they have it all together, but the inside, not. Look at this. Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. That was from the scripture read earlier. These Pharisees were careful to maintain the appearance of righteousness, but the inner reality of it, but not the inner reality of it. Let me say it again. These Pharisees were careful to maintain the appearance of righteousness, but not the inner reality of it. They were foolish ones because they could be outwardly clean while actually being dirty on the inside. Another part. You love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. 
excuse me. And we read that earlier. You love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. The best seats in the synagogues were the seats up front facing the congregation. This is where the leaders and prominent people sat. These people thought it was no good to walk right with God if others didn't know they walked right with God. I think it's funny. Some of these old school churches, and some still do it today, where you look at their stage and behind the pulpit, there's like four, five, six chairs, maybe even two rows of chairs, usually one of these nice chairs, and they're facing the congregation. And that's where the leaders or the elders will sit, or the bishop, the presiding bishop will sit, or the prophet will sit, and they'll be in their nice, you know, tie and, and shirt and pants and, and the whole get up. And it's like those seats are untouchable unless you're one of the chosen ones, unless you build yourself up the ladder of the church and someone leaves or steps down and then you get their seat. We've made the church in, in, into, a, into a political realm. That's legalism. I like this quote. A man may be regular in his church attendance. He may be diligent student of his Bible. He may be a generous giver to the church, but if it is, but if in his heart there are thoughts of pride and of contempt, if he has no, if he has no charity in his dealings with his fellow man in the life of the everyday, if he is unjust to his subordinates or dishonest to his employer, he is not a Christian man. No man is a Christian when he meticulously observes the conventions of religion and forgets the reality. <coughs> like this other quote. A longer one. They concentrated on details compared with love and kindness, justice and generosity. The washing of hands and the giving of tithes with mathematical accuracy were unimportant details. Once a man came, one time a man came to a doctor named Dr. Johnson with a tale of woe. He worked in a paper factory. He had taken for his own purposes a very little piece of paper and a very little bit of string. He had convinced himself they had committed a deadly sin and would not stop talking about it. At last, Johnson broke out. Dr. Johnson broke out. Sir, stop bothering about paper and pack thread when we are all living together in a world that is bursting with sin and sorrow. You know, how often church courts and church people get lost in totally unimportant details of church government and administration and even argue and fight about them. And forget the great realities of the Christian life. Church legalism. Full display. We're going to get real legalistic. And this one is where my moderate church views come into play. And this last one, I'm going to try to be brief. Probably over the 40 minute mark. But it's going to be one that a lot of you might disagree with. Church legalism, women in leadership. There are churches, there are people that say only men can be on stage. Only men can speak. Women can lead the women's ministry. <coughs> but they shall not lead your children's ministry, your youth groups. They shall not ever speak to the congregation. I don't know. Am I saying a woman... Uh, can be a lead pastor? Mm, I'm not so sure on that. Am I saying can they be a lead speaker in front of men and women sometimes? Yeah. Do I think they could be the leader of a youth group? Yeah. Do I think they could be the main leader of a children's ministry? Yeah. Modern debates over the ordination of women often miss the crucial and basic issues of the holistic concept of the ministry of the church reflected in the New Testament. Of course, no person should be ordained or given any responsibilities of ministry within the church because of gender or for the sake of a point. On the other hand, we have affirmed in the church that no person called and gifted by God should be denied any role of ministry or leadership in the church because of one's gender. Let's look at women in the Bible. Like I said, we got to back everything up with scripture, right? <coughs> Deborah, Judges 4 and 5, tell of the great leader she was. She was not only a judge, but also a prophet. 
Miriam, when the children of Israel miraculously crossed the Red Sea, she was one of the first to pick up an instrument and lead in worship, Exodus 15.20. But this wasn't her only ministry role. Micah 6.4 names Miriam as the leader of the nation, along with Moses and Aaron. But let's get legalistic about women being leaders in the church. Let's keep doing that. Mary Magdalene. Although often confused with Mary of Bethany, Mary Magdalene was the first to see the risen Lord, John 20.14. It was Mary who received the task of proclaiming Jesus' resurrection to the other disciples, specifically the men. She was the first person Jesus sent with the message of hope. Some say this makes Mary the first apostle or sent one. Hmm. Let, let's keep denying women out of the church, uh, out of leadership in the church. Hmm. Priscilla, along with her husband Aquila, was a business owner in Corinth who gave Paul <coughs> lodging and perhaps a job. She was also a great teacher, Acts 18.26. It's of note that Luke lists Priscilla first, which may indicate she was the lead teacher of the two. Joel 2 foretold a time when God would pour out his spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. That was verse 28. Your sons and daughters. On the day of Pentecost, Peter affirmed that time had come. And it is still true today. Any daughter of God has the full rights and privileges to declare his word, testify to his salvation, and prophesy by his spirit. Am I saying a woman should lead the church, be the head pastor? No, I, I believe there is scripture on that. I, I think that should be pretty clear. But do I think women can lead youth? Do I think women can lead the children's ministry, young adults' ministry? Yeah, do I think they can lead the men's ministry? No, just like I don't think a man can lead the women's ministry. Do I think um, women can be preachers? Sure. I mean, there are missionaries out there that they lead their church services every week. And I'm not talking missionaries to foreign countries, even in America. You know, do I think women can... I, we've had women speak in our church before. I mean, it's, it's rare. Missionaries or different guest speakers... I'm not opposed to that. I think the man needs to be the spiritual head of the household, but I don't think that means he has to be the, the best speaker or make more money than the wife does. I hear people say, oh, well, I have to make more money than my wife. That's legalism right there. That's a bit much. I think women can speak. I think women can prophesy. I think women can lead in worship. I think women can pray for healing. I think women can do these things, and people say, yeah, but they can make men stumble. We don't want men to stumble. Yeah, as if men can't make women stumble. Like, come on. Look what it says here at the end of our um, message, of our main verses. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in you hindered. I like this, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. Their legalistic approach had taken away understanding and knowledge. By giving the people a list of rules by which they could supposedly save themselves, they didn't help them at all. <coughs> Look at this one. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in you hindered. It is bad for someone to not enter into heaven themselves, but it is far worse to hinder another person from entering in. I'm not saying you're going to agree with me on all these things about women leadership, drinking, um, Sunday school, um, the different, you know, how you should dress in church, workspace, even though you wouldn't call it workspace, you would say we should be doing good deeds, tithing. You might not agree on any of the topics I said. This is just what I'm seeing in my eyes for part one of the legalistic church, church legalism. See, when we get legalistic about the church, we lose the very potential people we're trying to reach and even more so the people we haven't even met yet. I've seen church websites and they say things. I mentioned earlier, we're business casual. Okay, you lost me. What if I'm poor? What if I don't care? Well, you can, you can dress how you want, but eventually we're going to tell you to dress nice or we'll get you a suit or something. Oh, you had a beer with your meal? Yes, the Bible says you shouldn't get drunk, but I, 
but you just had one beer at your meal. That's enough for me. You can't do that. That's wrong. Oh, you're, you're a woman in the church, and you're actually a gifted speaker? Well, that's too bad, because only men can speak in the church. Only men can preach. <coughs> oh, you're a great young adult who's married, and you want to lead the youth ministry? You have a calling for youth? Well, that's too bad, because that's probably not a, a calling from God, because you're a girl, and girls can't lead um, different ministries. Man... This might sound mean, this might sound harsh, but screw that. If God has called you, legitimately called you to something, one, he will have a backing and further affirmation of it from godly people you are around. If you're not around godly people in a godly church, then yeah, I'm going to question that calling. But if you are around a godly church with godly people and godly leadership, and you hear God call you to something, even if you are a woman, Eventually, if you really truly pray about it and you go to your leaders about it, God would confirm it in their hearts and their minds as well. I know I kind of went all over the place here, but this is church legalism part one. We're going to go over other topics in part two by Noah. Again, if you have any questions, concerns, brokenness to faith at gmail.com. Probably get a lot of angry people coming up to me that I know personally <coughs> about my thoughts about these things. That's okay. It's my podcast. Difference of opinions. I just thank you for listening. So that was it for episode 19, Church Legalism Part 1. Um, part 2 will be out in two weeks thereafter. Um, if you have any questions, like I said, go to the email, brokennessfaith at gmail.com. Go to Instagram, brokenness underscore two underscore faith. Um, please let us know. If you have topics or anything you want us to know about, let us know. If you have disagreements, let us know. But make sure you have your scripture because we back up everything with scripture. So thank you, everybody, for listening. See you next time.